0: The irony of pain is this, is that there is n- it can be the, the shortest way to God. The irony of pain is that it can, it can be the very shortest way that we get to God is through, through pain. When the bottom dro- dro- drops out on us and everything seems to go wrong, it seems like that is one time that, 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 that the pain of life can draw us to God. C.S. Lewis, the great writer, said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience." And he screams and shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf ear. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf ear. In our pain and our suffering, what happens is that everybody does this. We look up, don't we? I mean, if, even if we're agnostic or atheist, there's, there's just something within us that looks up and, says, and, and goes, Why, God? Well, what's going on here? What, what's happening? There's something that, 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 that we, try, we try to make sense of our suffering. That there has to be some kind of purpose to our pain. That there has to be some goodness in our grief. And so we look up, God, up to God, and we don't hear an answer. Then we look down. And what we try to do is to make sense of it all. We try to put it together. We try to find some purpose to it. We try to find some goodness in it. And so we begin to ask the why questions why them? Why now? Why so young? What did I do wrong? What happened? Whose fault is it? Why so much pain? We ask this to figure it out. We ask this to figure out, Lord, there has to be some, some, some sense to my suffering. There, there needs to be some reason to it. There, there needs to be some goodness in my grief. There needs to be some purpose to my pain. We talk to ourselves and we say, well, if two years ago I had done this or if I paid more attention here or, or, or if I'd been a better parent or if I would have asked this question, maybe then, if I, maybe if I was a better husband or, or a better wife, maybe this wouldn't happen. Maybe if I paid attention to the situation better. Maybe if I, if I took him to the right doctor. Maybe, 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 maybe. And see, if we can make sense of something, you know what happens is we, we b- believe it doesn't take the pain away. It doesn't take the pain away from us, it just helps us to endure it. It just helps us to get through it. But if this is just random, if it's just chaos, there is no greater good. There is no purpose to my pain. There is no sense in my suffering. God may shout to me in my pain, but I can't hear him. And there goes my faith. God may shout to me in my pain, But if I can't make any sense of it, if I can't put it together, if I can't put the little dots together in my life, then, then, there goes my faith. There goes my trust in God. There goes my confidence. There is something in all of us that when it comes to pain into our lives, that there has to be an explanation to make sense of it. There has to be some reason behind it. Because if there's an answer to the why question, then, then maybe, just maybe, I can endure the suffering and the difficulty and the grief that I'm going through. Because there's a greater good I can endure. You know, um, we, we sometimes elect pain, don't we? I mean, when, when you see somebody with an unusual piercing I'm not talking about an ear. I'm talking about something unusual, something different. And I'm not against I'm just saying something different. And what, what happens? When you look at that person, you go, that must have what? Hurt. And, and for them, for that person, they must have seen a greater good, didn't they? That they thought that, that, that going to the piercer, that the piercee thought to themselves, when that guy pierces that thing, it's going to Hurt. And they knew it was going to hurt. They didn't go to the guy after he, he shoves that thing into the, that cartilage or whatever it is. They didn't go to themselves and say, I didn't know that was going to hurt. No, they know it's going to hurt. You know, they know it's going to hurt. Now, I, the reason I don't have any piercing is that I'm pain adverse. You know you know what i mean, talking about? It. And besides that, I would lose my job, another painful thing. And so I don't want that. You know, I mean, I just, we, just, 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 there's, there's, we, we elect pain. Some of you have elected pain in order to be thinner. I mean, some of you have. I mean, some of you have elected to forget about eating that. Some of you even had surgery in order to, to, to look, look, look better. You knew that there was going to be pain associated with it, and you elected the pain because there was a greater good out here, at least you thought, right? I mean, that's, that's why you did that. I mean, it, it, it just makes, you know, tattoos, the same thing. It says, you know, I talked to my son. He got this big tattoo on his arm, and, 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 and I asked him about it, and I said, I said, didn't that hurt? And he said, yeah, it was three and a half hours of going from pain to tickling to, to chills to pain. And I said, oh. for him, for him, it was that the pain that he knew, because he, he has friends who got it, he knew that the pain that he was going to receive was for a greater good in his mind. This week I watched my two daughters run in the um, Sundowner here at the Pilcher Park, and uh, my two daughters—I got a five fifth grader who are going to be sixth grade, sixth grader who is uh, JJ who who runs against her older sister Kara, who's in seventh grade, and they had a division fourteen and under which both of them were in, and so Jay, the race started off, and JJ decided to take out her competition very early in the meet, which was tripping her sister. No. <laughs> It was an accident. She really did. And, and Kara, and Kara, I mean, it was, it was totally an accident. And because J J stopped and helped her sister up, and then she took off. And um, and, and, and J, 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 Kara fell down, scraped her leg. I mean, it's oozing. You know, one of those big scrapes on her, her knee, and, and it's oozing out. And, and, and she's running. She's she's she's, she's um. She's starting to tighten up in her chest because she's nervous about, about things and she's having a hard time breathing. An older man came up to her and, and said, said, Why don't you just walk? It says, It's just a race. But, but but for Kara, there was a greater good. She she ran through the pain because there was a greater good at the end of the race. Which, which did happen for her is that she happened to come in second place. She got a trophy, brought some hardware home, and, and there was a greater good for her, because, but her sister got first place. And, um, so, but, but, but I mean, but did, what did she do? She opted for pain in order to have a greater good, right? I mean, that's what it is. The, the reason we elect pain or even suffering when we elect it that there's going to make sense of it at the end, that there's your purpose in that pain, and that there's, there's good in that grief. So we should not be surprised that when pain comes upon us, all of a sudden, out from nowhere, or that maybe we're dug into a big pit of pain right now, that it shouldn't surprise us that we go looking for an explanation. That we go looking for some way to make sense of it. That we go looking for some way to find a purpose in it. And so we ask God, why? We look up and say, why God? And When we don't get an answer, then we look down at our circumstances. What did I do to cause this? How is this my fault? Is there someone to blame? Is there someone to put this on? What can I do from keeping this from happening again? There has to be a purpose. There has to be some sense to it. There has to be something good come out of it. It's just normal. We all do this to some extent. Even Jesus did it. Jesus, who says, You know what? I'm going to die, and in three days, I'm going to be rose again. Remember, you know, he tells this to his disciples beforehand. But nobody says up on the cross, what does he do? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, see, in that moment of abandonment, Jesus needed, once again, just like you and I do, he needed to be reaffirmed. This is worth it. There's reason for this, there's a sense to this pain. There is there is a purpose to this pain. There is, there is good in this grief. Jesus does it. Mary and Martha, their brother, has died. G- um, Jesus delays his coming. Jesus comes in finally. And Mary and Martha, in both their own ways, ask. Why? Where were you? Why didn't you show up earlier? But see, for them, they have no idea that, that that answer is going to rid the pain. It's not going to remove the pain, is it? It's not going to bring your brother back to life if they know the why behind it. But they know that they can endure the pain if they have a reason or a purpose for the pain. They want to make sense of it. They want to bring it into reality. And see, we do the same thing. Is that We want to know the why. And so what happens is we, we look down at our little bitty world and we try to make sense of it. And what we do is we, we try to connect the dots and we try to pull it together. Well, the, you know, so, so what happens is, is Aunt Betty dies and we say to ourselves, you know, the reason... Um, Aunt Betty died was so that that nurse could see somebody of faith, somebody of faith um, um, uh die and and so therefore shall I have a witness you know that's that's what we do i remember i doing it myself with my when my dad died my dad died and, and when i was 14 years old and, and and you know as i've reflected back on different times whenever it's particularly painful to me i start looking down at the dots of my life and i and i start trying to connect them and say well the reason that my dad died was because because so that i would hear god's call to the ministry and and i wouldn't listen to my father's call and, and that's why and so but, but, that, but that, that's that's not it See, we just don't want it to be chaotic. We just don't want it to be random. And you might be angry at God right now. But in, the, in this context, God gave you three big dots that I want us to look at this morning. Three big dots. The first dot is in the beginning, in the middle, and in the end. Can you say that with me? In the beginning, in the middle, and in the end. Say it with me again. In the beginning, in the middle, and in the end. Okay, so we're going to look at, God God has to say, we're going to look at, Passes of Scripture from Romans chapter 8. Now, now, Romans chapter 8 is written by Paul the Apostle. Paul is a guy who's familiar with suffering. I mean, he understands pain. He has been beaten. He's been whipped. He's been, he's been um, slept, you know, nights without sleep. He's been shipwrecked. I mean, about everything that could possibly happen to a guy. He lost, loses his family, loses his career. I mean, he, he understands loss. Some of it he chose for greater good. Some of it came upon him. So I want us to look at... Look at uh, Romans chapter 8, starting there. If you have your Bibles or you can look in the directions and follow along with me or up on the screen. And here, here, here's where, here we go. We're going to start with verse 18. It says, I consider that our present sufferings, that's in the meantime, isn't it? That our, that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory to be revealed to it. It, it, There's a future aspect that's in the end, isn't it? It's in the end. In the beginning, in the meantime, in the end. I mean, in the meantime, we have present sufferings. But it doesn't compare to in the end, all right? With the glory that will be revealed in us. And then he realizes who he's writing to. He's understanding to this little church that is in Rome, the sufferings that they may not have quite quite a complete understanding. So he takes them back to the beginning. He says, the creation waits in eager expectations for the Son of God to be revealed. There's something in the end, and there's something in the beginning. Let's continue on verse 20. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Frustration. Know what that word has to do with? the Deprivacy. It was subject to depravity. It was subject to sin. In the beginning, sin reigned. That's big dot number one. In the sin beginning, sin reigned. Now, our tendency is to look at the little, little bitty dots. Here, we want to look at the big dots. We want to look up. Now, before I go on any further, I want to tell you a couple of things, a couple of disclaimers about this message. First of all, getting an answer to this question that I'm going to give you the answer to today, will not take away the pain. And you know that. When care was running, knowing that there was good at the end, did not take away the pain. The second thing is, is this. The answer is not emotionally satisfying. You're not going to come out of here and go, Oh, I feel better. It's it's not going to be emotionally satisfying. Third, this is an explanation for Christians. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, maybe you're just, I'm glad you're here, I'm thrilled that you're here. But this might not make any sense to you. It it, it really won't. Because, you know, I've gone, I've done, done tons of funerals, more funerals than weddings. As if there's much of a difference. No. <laughs> you would understand if you lived my life, <laughs> okay? Not our wedding, though, babe. Not ours. Ours is good. Two thumbs up. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, try. I did. I married Jason. Yeah, and Jason. How's things over there? Okay, oh, great, good. Yeah. See, see, good answer. Good answer. Okay. I'm still a dead man. Sorry. Love you. I really do. Um, boy, I just stuck my foot in it, and I'm going to. That wasn't good. But, I, but I've done lots of funerals, and I've done a lot of funerals for Christians. And you leave there, and, and you know, last year I did funerals for Christians, families of faith. And these people, when they're in this valley of the shadow of death, I mean, I'm inspired by them because they have a confidence. But I've also done funerals where there is no faith. And I wonder to myself, how do they make it through? I know that they do. I I know that. I just don't understand how. I don't understand how they do it. I don't understand how they put it together. So, big dot number one. In the beginning, sin reigned. And when sin entered into the world, death followed. When sin entered into the world, death followed. Let's go to the end of verse 20. In hope. That the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. Now the reason that you guys who are over 40, legs are hurting, who played the ball game yesterday, the three games yesterday, the reason that your body is hurting, know why? Is because you're in bondage to decay. The reason why some of you past the age of 40 can't see any good, know why? Because you're in bondage to decay. The reason why some of you have bad diseases is because you are in bondage to decay. But we say to God, Why did this happen? Why, why, did, it, why did this loved one die? What happened? Because you're in bondage to decay, God says. See, see he says sin entered the world, and the consequences of sin is what? Death, and so we are in bondage to decay. But, but why, God? Because you're in bondage to decay. What did I do to deserve this? Born. The reason that you're in bondage to decay is because you were born. <laughs> Isn't that emotionally comforting? I mean, we are in bondage to decay. Let's look at Romans 8, 18 through 20. And brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in pains of childbirth right up to this present time. See, sin entered the world and the whole world became broken. It's not just that you are broken, but the whole world around you is broken. It's not just that your marriage is broken. The whole world around you is broken. It's not just that your your, your mind is broken. The whole world around you is broken. It's not just that, 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 that your workplace is broken. It's that your whole world around you is broken. It's why you wanted a bunch of kids and you don't have any. It's why you wanted healthy kids. The ones you have aren't that healthy. You know, so for many of us, we aimed our kids this way and they're going that way. That's what, why. It's because they're broken. And we live in a broken world. As a father, I've, I've seen one of my kids. I pointed him in one direction. We did everything we could to point him in a certain direction. And he went another direction. He went another direction. And so what happens is you stay up late at night, and you begin to ask yourself the why questions. Why did this happen? What did I do wrong? This is my fault. And we look at it, and we try to connect those little dots. And you know what? I'm not sure it's very helpful. Once we were born into this world, tragedy, Followed because we are in bondage to decay. You were born broken and you were born into a broken world. But in the meantime, what are we to do? In the meantime, what's going on? In the meantime, what's happening? Look at verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And then when you and I became Christians, you know what happened to us? When we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, guess what happened? Guess what happened? You were filled with the Holy Spirit. You were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And as you can see here, the, so, 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 so the Spirit... Spirit, the Holy Spirit, groans inwardly in ourselves as we eagerly, wait eagerly for the adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. See, so what happens is it's on the inside, but guess what? The redemption of the body is yet to come, isn't it? You see that? We're waiting for the redemption of the body, amen? We're waiting for it. It's not here yet. See, see. whenever we accept Jesus Christ for, uh, uh, as Lord and Savior, he does an awful lot for our spirit. Whenever you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and, Savior, Lord and Savior, you some of you experienced an immediate change. Some of you quit cussing, just like that. Some of you, you know, stopped drinking, just like that. And for others of you, there was no big difference. I mean, you, you, you got, you got out, of the, out of the baptismal waters, and, 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 and it seemed like nothing changed. And you're saying, Jeff, dunk him again. Let's keep it up, you know. I mean, just to do it a few more times, um, you know. I mean, we just sort of sort of think that, you know. Didn't take, but yet there's a transformation that begins to happen. Your spirit was redeemed, your soul was redeemed, but your body, not your bodies. And what we do with our bodies right now is that we wait. Look at verse uh, 24 25. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what is he has already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently. So what do we do in the meantime? What do we do in the meantime? We place our hope in God. We place our hope. We lean ourselves forward Looking forward. And in the meantime, what we have is God's Spirit within us, and what do we do in the meantime? God is with us. In the meantime, God is with us. We have not fully received. The Holy Spirit lives in our bodies to transform our spirits, but does almost nothing for our bodies. In light of the past, our take on this is to lean forward. In the light of the past, that sin entered, sin reigns, Death is followed right behind. We lean forward into the end. Actually, it should be this way since I said over here. Just lean forward into the end. We lean forward with eager anticipation, with great hope. It is not necessary that I should have been a better husband, a better wife. It is not that I should have been more disciplined. Rather, our world is in bondage to decay, and so are we. And so I live in hope, and I wait. Ultimately, sin set me up to struggle. Ultimately, sin made it difficult. This waiting does almost nothing for your physical body and for the world around us. Let's continue on, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, why do we need the Spirit? Because we're weak. Weak is, guess what, normal. Oh, we don't like that as Americans. <laughs> you're weak. The reason you're having difficulties, the reason that, that you're not you're not living out the life that you wanted to live, you're not living the life of the Christian calling that you is because you're weak. The reason that things aren't go, going is you're weak. I'm weak. We're all weak. And so then we do not know what we ought to pray for. Have you been there? Have you been there? I have. I've been there praying for somebody and, you know, God, what, what's going on here? And I don't know what to pray for. I, I really have no clue how to pray it. And so there's a groans that, 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 that I just sort of utter up there. There, 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 there's, a, there's a pain and we don't know how to pray and God says I understand that matter of fact you know what happens is because your, my Holy Spirit is living inside you I'm praying for you I'm praying for you. I'm interceding for you. Look what it says, verse 26. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Sometimes the pain is so great. And I've been with people. Sometimes the groan are so loud. Sometimes the agony is so great that all there is is a primal scream of life. Because it's just too hard and it's too painful. And God takes that, translates it, and lets us pray, pray according to his will. Ultimately, it is not even your fault. Some of the pain you are experiencing is the result of decisions, the result of decisions that you made or others made. But with sin reigning, the world is, the world and sin and death and the bondage decay is right there, behind. Us. And so you're in bondage. Now, I'm not saying you're not responsible for what you've done. I'm not not saying that. What I'm saying is that we live in a world. We live in a world where we're set up to struggle. Verse 27. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So the Holy Spirit, know what he's doing for us right now? He's praying for you. You're going through a hard time right now. Maybe you're even being disobedient. Guess what? The Holy Spirit's praying for you. Maybe you're going through a difficult time with your children. Guess what? God's praying for you. He's interceding for you. He's interceding for your life and my life right now. And so we can look at in the end. Look at verse 28. And we know that in all things God's works... In suffering, God works. In illness, God works. In sickness, God works. In death, God works. In relational strain, God works. God is work for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Now, now, now you're telling me, Jeff, that that, 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 that struggle and that pain and that grief, it's going to happen to people that God loves? People who are called according to God's purpose? Yes. Yes. Paul was called according to God's purpose. Paul was loved according to God's will, right? And yet he experienced pain and suffering and grief. And see, our twist is, is that we always want to look down here. We want to look down here in, the, in our little bitty lives and try to piece it together instead of looking up and seeing the big dots. See, there is a context for our pain. It's a context the big dots look at verse 29 for those god foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son that we might be the firstborn among many brothers and those he predestined he also called and those he called he also justified justified meaning made right with god and those he justified he also glorified that what then shall we say in response to this if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will we not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? In the end, God has something good for us. The scripture speaks of a place called heaven in which there is no more pain or suffering, there's no more tears. Right now, you will cry. But you lean forward and you, and you have hope in. You lean forward and you, and you have hope in the end. That, 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 see, see that, 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 there's some of you that I know don't believe it, but, 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 but I do, and I've seen others do the same. In the meantime, God has done something else. Guess what he's done? He sent His only Son. Look what it says, verse 32. And He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? If He gave us His Son to be with us, See, see, no longer is God exempt from our pain and suffering. No, God enters our pain and our suffering. God is not way out there there and, and distant from us, but rather because of his great love for us, because of his great concern for us. God ultimately showed his great love for you and for me by being with us in Jesus Christ and dying on the cross for us. When we lived in Massachusetts, our Sam um, w- w- was, was, was three years old. We moved into this house at, um, when Sam was um, six weeks old and Michael was just three years old. And we moved into this house, and this was a big old house built in 1920s. Really huge rooms. It had those big old-fashioned radiators, you know, the, the ones where the water runs through them and the heat comes out. I mean, full, this house was so non-child friendly. I mean, it was. There was not a thing about this house that was, you know, child safe. It would, ne- you know, I'm sure there was lead paint all over the place, you know, built in the 1920s. And we moved into this house. It was right next to the church. Matter of fact, my commute was this. That, that was my commute. I was just walking. And, and, and Sam, by the time he was three, we had just had um, Kara as our, as, our, as our third child. And um, Sam was very, 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 very active. You know, I know that surprises you. Those of you who have been with you know, our Sam was very, very active. And Sam was climbing on the couch and um, um, trying to do something, you know, whatever Sammy world thing he was trying to do. And he fell and he hit his head on the radiator. So, kind of called me up and from my commute, you know, took me a half hour no. Um, I, I came up. And there, Sam, he's bleeding, the blood's coming out, and he's, he's crying. He's all upset. And um, he's hurting. And, and I can tell by the look at the cut, this is an emergency room run, and Tyne is there with the other two, and I, so I, I take the run. I take Sam to the doctor's uh, hospital. And uh, go to the emergency room. And by the time we're down in the emergency room, Sam stopped crying. You know, he's still going, he's going all over the place. And, and finally, we get into the, to the little room, and the doctor comes in, and um, I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. Sam has no idea what's going to happen. But I do. And so they put him in this board, lay him on a board, and they Velcro him in. I wanted to buy one of those. <laughs> Papoose things. I mean, it really, it was, it, it, they Velcroed him in. And then they took this needle, and they shoved it into his head to numb the little spot. Now, what did I do? Did I say, Sam, I'm sorry you're having a bad day, but I'm going to go out in the waiting room. And that's not what I did. Sam... This is your fault. This is your fault. You should not have been climbing on that. Did I do that? No. You know what I did? I got as close to Sam as I possibly could. And as his little feet cried out to me, you know, his little feet are going back and forth like this Daddy, daddy. I mean, I'm, I'm welling up with tears in my eyes, and I know it's coming, and there's going to be stitches and all this stuff. And he, he's, he's crying. You know what? know what I'm there? I'm there as close as I can. In my own little way, I'm interceding for Sam. And you know what? You're going through pain. Guess what? Our God is as close to you as he possibly can be. He's with you. Why did it happen? Did it happen because we moved into that house? Did it happen because he climbed the couch? It didn't matter at that time, did it? It didn't matter if I could connect those little dots together. No, what mattered is that I was with Sam. I was interceding. And I couldn't take the pain away, but I'm with you. Could God take the pain away? Yeah. When Jesus Christ came to earth... And there was a blind man, and he spit in the ground, and he took it and the dirt and put it in the guy's eyes and, and uh, told him to go wash them out. Guess what? The guy could see. Pain was taken away. Or Mary and Martha. What did Jesus do? Raise Lazarus from the dead. With the man at the pool of the Bethesda, he told him to pick up your mat and walk. And so he picks up his mat and walk, and he heals him. And what Jesus did there was tell you, you know what, I can do this, but I'm not going to take away the, the, the consequences of sin, because sin reigns. Right now, sin reigns. And in, in the end, yes, I will take away all that. In the, end, in the end, I will take it all away. In the, end, in the end, there will be no more tears. In the end, there will be no more suffering. In the end, there will be no more disease. In the end, there will be a place of happiness and joy, and presence with God and the Holy Spirit, and with Jesus Christ himself. But in the meantime, in the meantime, I'm with you. And the reason I know that, it's because I've stood next to people like Jerry. And I saw, I saw when they were going through the triple-dose valley of the shadow of death, When Harley was just taken out, I saw a family come together, united around the belief that, yes, sin reigns. Yes, in the end, we will be with Harley. But in the meantime, in the meantime, we're going to lean into the hope. Why? Because God is with us.